From Kidfinity Studios, this is Fireflies, the original kids debate show. I'm Noah Golder, your host for today's episode on the recent California fires, mail-in voting, and how to vote in the upcoming election. Just like many other people in the U.S., I just started school a couple of weeks ago, and I have been very busy with attending online classes and completing lots of homework. Well, homework is not exactly the right definition, because technically right now, for most schools, all of your work is being done at home. But you get the idea. Basically, work done outside of class time. As a result, we were not able to release episodes for the last two weeks. And today, I'm only giving you a news update to keep you informed like I did a few weeks ago. However, if all goes according to plan, we should be back to releasing debates every Wednesday, starting soon with a new host. We are still conducting interviews for a new host and are always looking for new debaters, so make sure to apply for either a host or debater if you're interested, using the link in the description or simply going onto our Kidfinity website. Now let's get into the update. Alright, so the first issue I want to talk about is the California wildfires. According to the New York Times, quote, more than 400,000 acres have been burned in northern and central California. Evacuation orders in Santa Cruz County covered 48,000 people, including the campus of the University of California, Santa Cruz. According to the article, these fires were mostly caused by a series of nearly 11,000 lightning strikes. And these fires have only been worsened by recent high temperatures and strong winds. Though I haven't seen any ash where I live, a couple weeks ago the smoke was very thick and the air quality wasn't ideal. I can definitely say that the heat is real. In the past few weeks, temperatures have been pretty high and they have even touched uh, over 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And so for me, for someone who hasn't experienced the fire in, in the area where I live, obviously I'm very lucky, but there are a lot of other people uh, in California who are directly in the line of fire. We talked about before with the evacuations. And so, you know, this fire is very real. And I give out all my prayers and condolences to those firefighters and those people who, who were evacuated and anyone related to those people. What is causing all these fires? Well, According to the New York Times, another article by the New York Times, the 10 largest fires since 1932 have all happened after 2000. So something new is happening that's causing more of these fires to happen. According to a second New York Times article, they point out four main reasons for the California wildfires. The first is climate. As you guys know, California is a very dry state. And it always has, for forever, had pretty high temperature. And according to that article, as long as there's dry brush and a spark, fires will burn. And so if the spark can be you know, ignited by a human, a spark can be, by, can be a lightning strike, as I talked about before. And so as long as there's that spark and there's that dry brush, that fire will continue to burn. The second main reason these wildfires are happening, according to the article, is people as people being the spark for these fires. Uh, according to the article, more often than not, it's people who are starting these fires, 
PG&E, which is a, an electrical company in Northern California, was responsible for some of the fires in previous years due to downed power lines they, that they were negligent towards. And so that is technically caused by people or caused by the company. Uh, in addition, in 2018, the car fire, C-A-R-R, was started by a tire rim scraping the road. And that caused a spark, which took hold of dry brush and led to one of the largest fires in Californian history. In addition, in something called the urban wildland interface, people have started moving more into areas near forests in California. And obviously, if there's more people in these areas with a lot of dry brush, there is more of a likelihood for these fires to start. Because people, if there are more people in the area, then with dry brush, as I mentioned before, people are cause for fire, then of course there is more likelihood that there's going to be a fire. The third reason that the article points out is fire suppression. And I know this may sound kind of weird, but sometimes it's actually better to control the fire than outright stop it. I'm not sure about the exact science behind this, but if you let fires burn over areas that are controlled, for example, if you let fires burn over areas that don't have households in it, uh, where it's actually safe to burn, that area actually won't be burned in the next in the coming years will be less likely to burn and so sometimes it's actually better to let fires burn in safe areas where there's or aren't any homes rather than just stop it outright and so i don't think this is a main reason because obviously a lot of the time you want to, might want to stop the fire right away but it is something that the article does point out the fourth reason the article also adds is that is the santa Ana winds quote each fall, strong gusts known as the Santa Ana winds bring dry air from the Great Basin area of the west into Southern California. These winds not only dry vegetation and make the, these vegetation more likely to burn, but they also move embers and spread the fire. For me personally, as I'm looking at these four factors that contribute to these fires, what is the one thing that has continued to change? Well. According to the article, the Santa Ana winds come almost every, almost each year. Uh, fire suppression, I don't, I don't think it seems very likely that, that these firefighters have, have changed their practices uh, in terms of fire suppression uh, over the past uh, recent years. The second factor, people. Uh, I don't think people have started to become more likely to start fires. Uh, if anything, they've probably become more aware of the environment and have become less likely to start fires. So the one issue that comes to mind here is the climate. The climate is the only issue that has continued to change over time. According to an LA Times article, quote, California has already warmed one to two degrees since the beginning of the 20th century as a result of the human-caused buildup of greenhouse gases, and according to a state science assessment, could see temperatures rise between 5.6 degrees and 8.8 .8 degrees on average by 2100, or the 22nd century depending on how much pollution humanity increases and how quickly. So all the scientific evidence in general points to global warming and that the temperatures have continued to rise and not only affected fires and have raised temperatures, but have also affected other parts of the environment. For example, the coral bleaching uh, and habitat loss. And it is, it is something that, you know, uh, is very important to look at when we're talking about main issues in society. Now, the second main issue that I wanted to discuss is mail-in voting and how this voting process is going to work in the upcoming November election for president 
and for other seats in local, state, and congressional positions. So many of you might not be able to vote yet. And of course, there are other ways to still express your political views, including you know, encouraging other people to vote, or starting petitions, or just simply raising awareness of issues that you care about, even though that you cannot vote for direct legislation. There are still many ways to influence others. All right, now I'm going to go into how to vote if you are eligible to vote. Now, I do want to mention that, of course, I know a lot of you guys probably aren't of voting age, which is being at least 18 years old, but I highly encourage you to still listen in so that you better understand how the voting process works in the United States so that when you are at least 18 and you do meet the rest of the requirements, uh, that you do know how to register yourself and overall you're better educated. The requirements to vote in the election on November 3rd, the presidential election, and I do want to mention that these requirements to vote, for the most part, are basically the same for local, state, and federal elections, including this presidential election that we have coming up soon. So the first thing you need to do is become a registered voter. Now, to be a registered voter, you need to be at least 18 years of age, you need to be a U.S. citizen, and you also need to f uh, fulfill a few other requirements. Now, these requirements can differ between state to state. According to the USA.gov, you can vote in U.S. elections if you, one, are a U.S. citizen, two, meet your state's residency requirements, three, are 18 years old on or before election day, and four, are registered to vote by your state's voter registration deadline. And it says to keep in mind that North Dakota does not require voter registration to vote. So to make this process a little easier, of course, you can just go up onto a browser and search up how to register to vote. And there's usually a page that will pop up that will likely help you on finding your state and finding out how to register through that state. Uh, I do want to mention that there is a site called the U.S. Vote Foundation, which allows you to register for your state, and also gives you other helpful information. There are additional sites like vote.org, and then there's also, of course, the U.S. website, which is vote.gov, and that is also another resource to register to vote. Now, of course, with this coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people don't feel comfortable with going into a polling station where you go in person to fill out your ballot and, you know, and your ballot's done right there. And so the U.S. does offer another way to vote, you know, remotely. Now, in federal elections, the U.S. does not allow online voting. However, in some state and local elections, some states do allow online voting. Uh, but for the most part, the U.S. Uh, does not, and most of the states do not allow online voting because it is just a lot of the time susceptible to hackers and the like. But they do let you request an absentee ballot. This absentee ballot has been available for a while, and it did not just start right now because of the coronavirus pandemic. But the U.S. knows that a lot of a lot more people are going to be requesting absentee ballots because they don't feel comfortable going in person to polling stations because of possible risk. And so, how how can you request an absentee ballot? Well. As I mentioned before, you can go into the U.S. Vote Foundation to request an absentee ballot there, and there are other resources as well where you can do that. 
and you, you can request an absentee ballot. So that ballot, so a lot of states uh, already do let you, or do automatically give you an absentee ballot and, and give it in the mail to registered voters. But of course, some states don't, so you might have to request your own. And so as I mentioned before, you can go into the resources, request a ballot, fill it out, and then there are multiple ways to return your ballot. So according to California, they give you four multiple ways to return your absentee ballot. One is mailing to county elections official. Two is returning in person to a polling place. Three is dropping your ballot into one of your county's drop boxes. And four is authorizing someone to return the ballot for you. Now, the safest of these is, of course, returning it directly in person to either a polling place or a drop box because you can physically walk it there without having to deal with uh, someone else who is supposed to deliver it for you or going through the USPS or the US Postal Service. However, all of these options have little to no risk at all and there has been little to no evidence that mail-in voting has a high risk of being fraudulent or a high risk of interference in the election. If you're considering physically going to polling stations as an option, then please do some research on the guidelines and procedures of your closest polling station and consider if you would be part of the high-risk group if you did contract the virus. If you do decide to vote at a polling station, here are some CDC recommendations for voters. One, they say to practice healthy behaviors to protect yourself and slow the spread of COVID-19. Uh, this might be washing your hands at the polling station or wearing a mask at the polling station. Two, consider voting alternatives available in your jurisdiction that minimize contact. Now, this could be doing mail-in voting or this could be going to a polling station where there is there are many days possible for you to vote. That means there will be less people each day in that specific polling station. Three, the CDC says, do not disinfect or wipe down the voting equipment yourself. Now, you know, this just means don't go around trying to disinfect the polling station. This is for the workers at the polling station to do. Four, the CDC says to avoid crowds. Now, of course, if you're going, if a polling station only has one day where you're allowed to vote, there's going to be a large crowd. So the CD says maybe use early voting if available or vote at off peak times, such as mid morning. And then five, the CDC says be prepared. Check your voting location requirements in advance because that may have changed due to COVID-19. Contact your local or state election office for additional information for voters with disabilities. And you know, make sure that you're prepared and you know the guidelines for that specific polling station. They also mentioned to bring your own black ink pen so that you don't have to use one from the polling station. Of course, if you do not feel comfortable with going to a polling station, then it is always an option to vote from home using an absentee ballot with mail-in voting. So voting not only in the presidential election, but in local and state level elections is integral to preserving America's democratic system and representative government. And so you talk about all these issues that are going on in the, in the world, this is the time for you to make that change. You know, uh, If you believe that there should be change, for example, in the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality, in racial bias in society, 
go and make sure that you're voting or at least you're encouraging other people to vote and getting your opinions across. And I do want to mention as well that before you vote, make sure that you properly educate yourself through a mixture of sources before you do so, so that you can make the best possible decision for your country. And so there's a lot of people who always say, why should I vote? I'm only one person. Most of these elections differ by millions or over or by millions or tens of millions. And why should I vote if my vote is only one of those? Well, imagine if everyone felt the same way. Then that could, that could completely sway an election. If the election is dependent on 100,000 votes and say 100,000 people don't feel like they want to vote, uh, then that could completely sway the election. And I... I highly encourage you that if you are registered or if you are able to register, I encourage you to educate yourself and then vote on issues that are meaningful to you. And especially with this presidential election coming up, you know, uh, do what you feel is best for your country uh, according to, you know, after you educate yourself on these issues. And, you know, this is the time to get your opinions across. All right. So that's the end of the news update. Even though it's not a traditional episode, I hope you guys still enjoyed it and enjoyed learning about the California wildfires and how to vote in the upcoming elections. Thanks so much to the founder of this podcast, Benjamin Wong, and to the audio editor for this episode, Talia Rahman. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a good and productive week. The views expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Fireflies podcast.